0: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, or thanks to McDonald's. Backers, together and loving it. TNC's apply. Grit. It's what enables an individual to persevere in accomplishing a goal despite obstacles, barriers, and ceilings placed in their way over. And over again, on SEN, This is Grit, with Daisy Pears.
1: Welcome to This is Grit for Victoria Police. Victoria Police is now recruiting, apply now. My guest this week is Ash Barty, the number one ranked women's tennis player in the world and one of Australia's most universally loved and admired athletes. Admired for her skill and athleticism, for her attitude and work ethic, and loved for her humility. Ash welcomed me into her world during one of her precious weeks at home between WTA tournaments. I could have talked tennis, sport and her career all day, and did, so we've had to split the chat over the next two weeks. Part one coming up, but tune in next week for part two. Well, I feel very privileged to be... Uh, in the home of Ashbardi, and privilege because I know it's not very often that you get to come home so the fact that you're giving me a couple of hours of your time me and the This Is Grit listeners we're yeah very honoured and thank you.
2: <laughs> no it's it's good it's good to be home and um, nice to just take a couple of quiet days um, away I mean still training and still working hard but um, nice to be able to come home just to, to the comforts of home and, and to have you here with us. How many days a year do you spend here at home? Not enough. Uh, I mean, I'm away probably 35 weeks a year, um, give or take a couple of, couple of weeks, um, but not long. I think one of the things I, I like to do when I do get home is to take time off and I make sure that whenever I come home from a trip, I, I have a week, if not more, where it's no tennis, no training, just spending time with, um, with the boys, the puppies, niece and nephew, kind of just catching up with everyone. And scrubbing back up on your barista skills on the nice coffee machine you've got there. Yeah, a little bit rusty. Always the first one. <laughs> I usually give them a cl- uh, the machine a clean the, the first day that I get home. But it's well, because been... you don't trust Gary to clean it, or <laughs> oh, he doesn't. He doesn't even use it. so oh. it sits there and collects cobwebs. And I'm like, come on, boys, at least give it some love while I'm away. But um, no, I make sure there's fresh beans. But it's better go.
1: <laughs> so what's your um, what's your poison? <laughs>
2: <laughs> doggies right on cue um, <laughs> um so, boys come on okay. come. it's all right mate it's all right
1: that's, um, that's ash's dogs going berserk at something out
2: the front what okay. what twin boys what yeah twin boys they're northern queensland boys actually they're from townsville what kind of dog dogs maltese cross shih tzu um yeah, very so they've, cute. they've come <laughs> down and, and joined our little wolf pack down here but um yeah they they love it they love it they they rule the house that's for sure um, they're my they're my coffee boys actually. They're named Affi and Chino, or Af- well, short for Affogato and Cappuccino. So <laughs> you are a coffee. Uh, coffee I'm a little thing. bit of a connoisseur, and um, yeah, they're they're my beautiful little
1: boys. But. <laughs> yeah. Well, I won't hold you back from getting uh, into this coffee any longer. Um, don't let my small talk stop you. No,
2: long black. <laughs> I think will do us this afternoon, and we'll be right. <laughs> It's my pride and joy. It's a shocker. I spend more time here than I'm proud to to admit. How many coffees a day? What what fuels the number one tennis player in the world? <laughs> um, depends how bored I am. I think uh, often if I'm bored, I'll just come home and have a coffee. But um, three or four a day, I think, is probably probably normal. Um, and on a on a busy day, if I'm stuck, it, I'm, I'm stuck on two. But um, yeah, all spread throughout the day. I'm I'm pretty happy with it.
1: Is that where the love of coffees come from? You think just like feeling time and giving yourself something to that you can, I guess, follow all the, all the way around the world. Or
2: yeah, I think it it probably it started with my sisters and and kind of them just catching up for a coffee uh, when I came home from trips is is catching up over a hot chocolate to start off with and and then I was like, no, I need to get into this. <laughs> time to grow up. Need to get into this <laughs> coffee business and. Um, yeah, from, from there, I think it was just then while I was away, um, a way for me to see different cities, to find different cafes around the world and, uh, and kind of go from there. But yeah,
1: What's it like coming home now?
2: Now, I, I can imagine life would have changed
1: a little bit since winning the French Open. Is it different coming back home to Ipswich now?
2: Yes and no. Uh, I think there's nothing's really changed uh, me or, or my team, I think more than anything, there's a little bit more recognition, and and people say good day when I go down to Woolies and whatnot. But um, yeah, what Target things, mean, target, <laughs> or when I'm jumping out just to to pick up a few books and and different things. But um, no, I mean it's it's amazing the, the support and the love that I get um, all around the country, but especially when I'm home, um, it's it's really cool.
1: What what makes you keep coming home? <laughs> I I might be off the mark, but. Most top-ranking tennis players that I sort of keep half an eye on live in all these really, really glitzy, flash places around the world. Now I hope I'm not offending anyone from Ipswich. <laughs> Please take this the right way. But you keep coming home, and you've always come home. Why is this the place you want to spend when you when you have time off the circuit?
2: Ah, uh, this as simple as it is. This is home. This is where I grew up. Um, I mean, I'm I've moved out um, and kind of live, we've, live with my family, my boyfriend, my dogs and, and all of that but we're only all of 7 or 8 k's from mum and dad. Um, I'm 3 kilometers from my other sister and, and 20 minutes from my other sister so I think for us we've always been a family that's been very close and, and this is our niche. We've we found our spot and we find it um, beautiful out here. It's peaceful, it's quiet um, and I was lucky enough to, to kind of build a, build a home for me that um, I love. The little little things that I love about it kind of more than other areas and and some specific things that I really wanted but coming back here this is this is home this is where the heart is and I'll I mean even if I tried I don't think I could ever move interstate I don't think I could ever move more than 30 or 40 minutes away this is this is where it all begins and and this is where it is for me. And family
1: clearly probably the most important thing to you in in your life you'd say?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. I know that um, as, no, as long as I love my family and I, I have their love and, and they love me and all those things, it's, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter um, whether you have five bucks to your name or, or five million. It doesn't It doesn't really matter. It's not going to change anything. And, I mean, being able to spend time with them, that's, that's all that matters. I'll let you
1: punch out this second one and <laughs> then we'll, we'll keep chatting. Milk? Uh,
2: yep, uh, box- Yeah. Is that my one? Yeah. yeah. I hope I'm doing a Melbourneite proud here. Oh yeah. We've it's got a elaborate up too. It's like shameful mm-hmm. our coffee. I love it.
1: We've got Ben is so into it that he like weighs out the shots, like we've yeah. got a
2: special grinder. This one, it's brilliant, does it all automatically for me. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah
1: he loves the actual science of yeah. Like measuring out the shot and like timing the shot. Yeah, he's so into it. It's ridiculous. I want to get
2: um, in my forever home when whenever I do finally build it. Yeah, I want to get a coffee bar where it's all built in underneath. Yeah. Um, scared to know how much that's going to cost me, but that's <laughs> that's something that I feel could be a non-negotiable. <laughs> Sometimes when I um,
1: like Ben always makes the coffee. That is one of the good things about it. we we each had a machine before we moved in together. Yeah. So we had to like decide who
2: who's machine who's stayed yeah
1: and he's won mainly because he fought harder i've picked my battles and it also means now that because it's his machine like he, he wants it. to make them so yeah. i'm like yep, sure done go
2: for it this one's actually what i take to china as well uh i get the um beans from home Aeropress? yeah, yeah. um beans from home ground already take it over and so I that you've got a taste of home then. yeah and i can kind of make a, a long black and away um i mean you take it all apart. And yeah, he
1: takes that if we, like, are camping or something Yeah, I love We don't need any power. No.
2: It's, I mean, my family's that bad. When they do go camping, uh, my cousin is a brewster. Um, they take an old coffee machine, really? chuck it in the back of the car. And what, diesel generator? Or whatever, uh, when they plug it the into, car. like, a campsite yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah, and every morning pop the boot open. Oh, and it's, sh- it's shocking.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, it's funny you say that. When we, we went on our first trip after the babies to... Um, go up and see my mum, she lives yeah. on the New South Wales coast, and um, took the coffee machine at the expense of like two bits of kind of essential baby equipment. Absolutely. <laughs> baby, babies will stay alive
2: yeah. if you're
1: alive. We're like, the bouncer and the second cot, or will we take the coffee machine and then they can just share that porta cot <laughs> And we went with the latter. Yeah. <laughs> I
2: mean, the first one. Yeah. I hope you don't mind you, because the boys are more than going to make themselves at home.
1: No, they're welcome. I should be asking them if I'm allowed to sit on the couch. Oh, yeah. You're listening to This Is Grit. Victoria Police is now recruiting. Apply now. Up next, Ash takes us back to where her tennis journey started, and we relive a crucial moment in her French Open Triumph that mirrored her first ever tournament win as a junior.
0: On SEN, this is Grit. With Daisy Pierce.
1: Welcome back to This Is Grit. Victoria Police is now recruiting. Apply now. My guest this week and next is tennis world number one, Ash Barty. Well, it's a story pretty well told now, but um, it's one worth telling and hearing again. And for the sake of our This Is Grit listeners, where did you first discover your love of tennis and how did that come about?
2: Uh, I think more than anything, it was almost a process of elimination. Uh, My sisters, both my sisters, Ali and Sarah, played netball. um, And every day, every weekend driving to netball um, when I was kind of four and five hadn't really started playing any proper sport yet I just muck around the backyard and and whatnot we drive past the tennis center and a hockey field and I said to Mum, I was adamant I didn't want to play netball just didn't interest me um, I don't know if that was because Sarah and Ali played it and I wanted <laughs> to be a bit different or it just didn't appeal to me and there's a quote um,
1: going around that you th- you said you didn't want to play because you thought it was a girl sport? Yeah, <laughs>
2: so, just. Do you remember saying that? Yeah, and I just I was like the whole like dress and I was like no nah, that's not for me um I'm, <laughs> I'm not wearing ra- a dress when I I'm running be around playing dun- sport. Seen playing in that exactly. <laughs> um and Mum had played netball her whole life. Mum and Dad were both golfers. Um and yeah I just originally I said to Mum I think I want to play hockey and she goes why do you want to play hockey I said um well well, have a stick. Like, I get to hit hit things and, and hit people with a stick. And she said, okay, well, we're going to veto hockey. You're not playing <laughs> hockey. So That's the next option... Well. <laughs> exactly. The next option was tennis. Um, and a little bit of a family connection um, through my aunts and uncles Were directed us to this club at West Brisbane Tennis Centre and to Jim and, and Robbie. And, yeah, from that first lesson, I remember it vividly, which is bizarre. I mean, I don't remember a lot of things from How when well I was we? young. It was like two weeks until i'd turn five so i was still four four and a bit um and yeah i remember first lesson jim said look we don't usually take kids until they're six seven or eight um purely just because of of group sizes and um we kind of want kids to try all different sports and and not be sucked into one straight away but um, tennis got me hook, line and sinker and that very first lesson I remember hitting the first ball and, and Jim said from there I could stay and yeah,
1: here we are. When you say Jim, you're talking about Jim Joyce who as you've just said was your first coach and you're still in really close contact and have a lot to do with him now. What what sort of an influence has he had on you as tennis player and person?
2: Yeah, I think first and foremost Jim was is like a second dad to me. Mm. Um, he he's one of the first guys I go up to after a trip and, and give him a hug and um, go out for a steak and a beer, um, more times than not at the Brecky Creek um, up here in <laughs> Brizzy and it's just a, a really uh, just an amazing relationship it is, uh, both a working and a, and a personal relationship and mum and dad put so much trust in him when I was younger um, kind of almost allowing him and trusting in him to, to make um, almost all the decisions in regard to my tennis, what tournaments I played, kind of how my pathway was paved and how I, do, how I was developed. But, um, I think Jim and I just had a connection instantly. We were able to communicate very clearly. Um, and even now if, um, all it takes is, is a text message, Hey mate, how are you going? And, and, um, you know, I can't get him off the phone for, for 45 minutes or an hour. <laughs> he just, the poor bugger doesn't shut up and, um, yeah, I mean, it's just an incredible relationship, and it's nice to know that even though he's not really involved in my tennis as such now, um, if, you know, I give him a call and say, Jimbo, what do you think of my serve at the moment? Like, it's just not feeling right. He gives me two or three cues instantly yeah. that just come back to junior days and, and things something. that work. Yeah. Exactly. So he's a, always a voice of reason and a sounding board for all of us.
1: Uh, there's an awesome photo floating around of a very <laughs> a cute... It's one of my favourite sporting photos of all time now, after it did the rounds throughout your awesome French Open campaign. Um, When you say you remember back to those days, can you remember that photo? Can you remember that
2: tournament, winning that trophy? I can. uh, I can because um, I remember it was pouring down rain um, the the last day and um, probably not the safest thing but I was like well I'm playing in the rain so I don't, I don't care if anyone else is but um, I remember Jim taking that photo him himself personally and um, to this day I still have no idea how um, it was kind of released I suppose um, because you know back then it was just you know your, your old roll of film camera yeah. whatever and um, yeah to, to this day I have no idea how it became a digital a proper mm-hmm. digital print. Um, so, I mean, it would have just been someone had taken a photo of it and, and whatever. But um, yeah, some some really special memories. And often I'll flick through photos from when I was young. And obviously, they, they bring back um, memories and, and kind of thoughts. And yeah.
1: Um, when you say it was raining that day and you remember it clearly, it makes me think straight to the French Open semi final win, when having started awesomely, if that's mm. a word, and then dropping that first set in the biggest momentum swing ever, it started raining. It did. Did Um, you think back to that tournament? Did anything cross your mind, the synergies
2: between that trophy win and then in that moment? It's. I mean, I kind of didn't think of it at the time, but it's amazing how many times when I've even more recently thought back on that week in Paris, uh, or on the two weeks in Paris, um, how many weird things there are like that. Um, that because for context, if you're not fully
1: across the tennis and didn't ride every single ball like <laughs> I did. So like I said, Ash, started. Well, you started well. It's five love Amanda, 12 minutes, I think. Yeah, and oh. it was looking like, oh, she's just going to wipe the court with this girl. <laughs> mm-hmm. Amanda... I've always, Anna Samova. Anna Samova, I always get that wrong, uh, hung on after two set points and then won something like six of the next seven games to win in a tiebreaker in the first set and then you go down double break I think a double loves, break in yeah. the next set so you you go from nearly having the first set in your hand to on the verge of basically letting the whole match slip it starts raining and amanda's anisimova's box was kind of calling for the match to be called off and she sat down and you stood out on the court as if to say hang on a minute <laughs> we no-one's called this game off yet. A Bit of rain never hurt anyone. Let's kept playing. And I remember thinking, it's going to turn around. It's going to turn around because you're in control in your mind and thinking, you know, it. you wanted to be out there and you're not scared of the next moment, whereas she was looking for an out and I thought, we're, we're back here. Yeah. We as in
2: you and the entire country that was following you. <laughs> I think what the, the most bizarre thing was is that um, I have no idea what happened in that first set after five love set points i, I remember i missed uh, i think it was i missed a slice and then i missed a forehand actually just normal balls didn't miss by much i was like yep no worries um and then it just it was like a, an absolute avalanche um and a man is very much a, a front runner um she knows how to to get on top and then i think you know at three love in the second it was a um i mean i had to make a change and um it was bizarre that it started raining and i actually didn't see her box talking to her but i saw how unsettled she was and how uneasy she was with the chair umpire and i think she wanted um, to get off the court it which yeah. is bizarre because clay's the only surface that if it rains you actually keep playing mm. um and the the conditions change when when it does rain and the court changes a little bit but i was that's i was like okay that's a bit bizarre you've just won what 10 of 10 of 11 games uh, and you want to get off this court but Um, Yeah, I almost had to flick the switch And and try and hang in there myself And um, obviously knowing how I felt At the end of the first set I knew that she'd feel that tenfold Trying to to win the match in, in straight So it was about trying to hang in there And it was probably one of the ugliest tennis matches I've ever played in my life but I think probably one of, when I look back on my career, whenever that is I think it'll be one of the most defining moments as well
1: I was going to dedicate a whole segment to the French Open win (laughs) but we're here now because we've let ourselves there talking about the rain at a tournament when you were four years old (laughs) but um, how do you you steal yourself in that moment? I've always wondered and admired this about tennis players, that with the way that it's scored you can go from being a point away from bagging a set and being halfway to winning the match to then three love down and on the verge of losing how do you not continue to beat yourself up as the match goes on and and like I I just think of how my mind works and probably this is why you're the number one tennis player in the world and I'm not but how how do you stop yourself from beating yourself up over that
2: well I think um Probably goes back to, to junior days as well. There were matches in juniors where I was, you know, 6-1, 4-1 up. Um, I remember at 12s Nationals, again, vividly, we were playing in Mildura um, down down south on grass, and I lost that match, and I felt like it was the biggest choke in the world. Um, at 12 years old, I'm thinking I've had the biggest choke in um, in all of sporting history. Um, <laughs> it's going to go down in the record books for the rest of yeah, the time. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a bizarre scoring system in tennis because you can literally be six love five love down not have won a point but you're only one point away from turning the match if that makes sense whereas you know you look at footy games if it blows out to 40 50 60 points it's you know it's a long way back and because there's a time limit it's just tennis is so unique Mm. um I think that's part of the part of the um you know the beauty of the sport that gripped me but it's also a part that does my head in because it's um, you can play so many matches where you're in complete control, um, you're all over it, and then, you know, one one thing happens and, you know, it splits sets and you just go, what, like, what just happened? Mm. Um, but it's uh, the beauty of the beast and the nature of the beast, I suppose, and um, what makes tennis so unique. I'll get back to where we
1: were in a minute, but I keep, I've got 101 questions <laughs> about tennis and I'm asking, I'm sitting with the right person, so here they all come. The other thing I've always wondered is why there's such huge... It seems there's more momentum swings like you're talking about in women's tennis over men's. Like, why? What's the popular well, think, theory as to why that's the case? Because how often do you see it that it's like Ash 1-6, Ashbarty six, Ash six one six one. 6-1, 6-1? Like, it, it seems to happen more often in women's tennis than men's.
2: Yeah, I think... Uh, I mean, I'm still trying to figure it out myself. I had a match this year in Madrid on clay um, before the French Open. It was... 6-1, 1-6, 6-1, and I walked off the court and I said, that was just bizarre. Bizarre to be a part of just because it just felt wrong. It, I feel like no tennis match should have that many momentum swings and be that dramatic. I mean, it was all of a match It was an hour and, hour and a half, like a three-set match for, you know, a 20-minute set hit is just weird. Um, but I think it probably comes down to, I mean, in my opinion, um, the serve, first and foremost, is because um, traditionally... Men serving is big um, they don't get broken often but the women's game has moved to more um, of a returners kind of game I think and um, there are still girls that have great serves um, and look after their serves very well I mean you look at Serena one of the best serves technically um, I mean just everything her serve is incredible and but then you also look at her and she's got the most incredible return power, um, the return placement. And I think there are there are more breaks in women's tennis based off that return. Um, girls are more aggressive off the return. They know it's going to be, more times than not, the shortest ball in the court that they're going to have an opportunity to hit. Um, it's a little bit slower than your... I mean, your second serve is a little bit slower than your traditional ground stroke ball. So I think for them, it's... Oh, them, us, I mean, I don't quite think like that um I know that I haven't quite got the return game to be able to do that but um it's an opportunity to to get on the front foot in a point um front foot in a rally and to just try and pressure your opponent so I think all in all there there are just more breaks and and there are probably a few more risks taken um in general play as well Mm -hmm. all right thanks for resolving that long well, I mean, I'm probably probably mystery. That's <laughs> just in my mind and how it computes in my mind. I think That's you, good enough for me. If I'll you be ask. passing that on
1: to anyone <laughs> else that ever brings that up in front of a TV screen for the rest of my life. <laughs> Thanks for listening to This Is Grit. Victoria Police is now recruiting. Apply now. Coming up, we compare Ash's humble upbringing and introduction to tennis to the more pampered and elite pathways taken by her contemporaries and how it's shaped her into the player and person she is today.
0: On SEN, this is Grit, with Daisy Pearce.
1: Welcome back to This Is Grit. Victoria Police is now recruiting. Apply now. This week, I'm in Ipswich, Queensland, at the home of tennis superstar Ash Barty for a two-part interview that you'll hear this week and next. Uh, You must be... uh, I, I think you must be proud, but what feeling do you get when you compare your introduction to the sport and your kind of grassroots experience... Compared to where most top-ranking tennis players come from, I mean, I think of the academies and polishing schools in or finishing schools in Florida. That just wasn't your experience. No. How I mean, do you reflect on that?
2: Yeah, I, I was never in an academy uh, until I was probably thirteen years old. Um, so it was just Jim and I um, doing our own thing. And I think for me that worked because it was a one voice, one message, and it was a message that I understood. Most importantly. Um, I mean, you can you can have messages and, and lines of communication from a million different people, but sometimes one person just has a way with words and you just understand it. And for me, Jim was that person. And um, I knew that I wasn't going to get any better anywhere else. I didn't need a different message. I, I had that from Jim. and And then when it was time for me to try and take that next step to travel internationally and and do all those really scary things um it was about then going into an academy and and doing it with different girls and um almost becoming a part um creating this team in an individual sport Mm. um which in tennis is is one of the most unique balances you'll you'll ever find is that um when you're involved in an academy you're, you're training with other girls um that you work you want to do well but they're also your competitors which is it's a very very unique situation. I want to talk about that dynamic a bit later but
1: um, is it true that West Brisbane Tennis Centre where you grew up in a tennis sense um, shares a fence with a chook farm?
2: (laughs) Yes yeah um, Robbie and um, Jim Joyce it's Robbie lives um, on the land there and um, yeah they've got one two five courts uh five tennis courts four down the bottom and one up the top court you always used to hate it when you get shafted up to the top court you had to walk all of 50 meters um (laughs) to to go up there and it was on the back of the road the sun always felt hotter up there but often you you'd have your chooks coming down um (laughs) I know that they've had um some sheep and like alpacas and I mean I I did not want to know what's up there but um, had There was a little fruit tree area with you know avocado trees and passion fruit trees and all these different things. It was just a, a, cl- a tennis club that felt like a home. Um, and I, I don't think you'll ever find anyone who ever went to um, to Jim and Robbie at, at Richlands at West and Tennis Centre to say a bad word about it and to not feel welcome about that club. And I think that's what makes it um, really unique. So when you're on the
1: circuit or when you're standing there facing off with an opponent... And you know where they've come from and again I'm being pretty generalizing but I can't think of anyone else that grew up and started the first 15 years of their tennis career playing next door to a chook farm do you feel like the odd one out or do you feel different
2: I think um I feel different I think because um I know that there's probably not anyone who had that experience and um you know the experience of Going over there and flogging a little, um, uh, what are they called? Pine cones that we used to chuck in the fireplace at winter. We go, <laughs> Robbie. We're just taking a bag of fire cones back home. Um, pine cones back home, but um, I think tennis. It's because it's such a global sport. You have of the top hundred women. Let's say there's you know, I don't know sixty different countries. Just mm. plucking numbers. Um, you think that's sixty different cultures? Um, mm. People coming from different cultures different parts of the world um, it's just it's amazing it really is and uh you know I talk to a couple of my really good friends um often we we kind of share stories and um you know I'm probably the first to admit that um the WTA tour at times is is not very friendly um but I'm very lucky to have kind of a half a dozen a dozen really close mates that um regardless of whether you win or lose it's it's that kind of same relationship which is rare but um, and hearing kind of how they've grown up and how they've played, it, it just makes me appreciate more what I had. And, and, I mean, you just understand how different the world is. It's mm. incredible. When you say it's not very friendly, what
1: do you mean by that? Like, is it just that um, individuality, like one-v-one one competitive nature of it? Or what do you think fuels that dynamic?
2: Yeah, and I, dynamic? Think, I think there's always... Um, a lot of the time, I reckon there's always a front of not wanting to let people in because you could play them the next week, uh, you could play them in three rounds' time. It's it's a it's incredible. Like it's um, it's bizarre. And I think um, I was I was lucky enough to when I first went on the tour. I spent a lot of time with Kate Stilakwa. Um and she she was my mum on tour. She kind of it was amazing how she just directed me to incredible genuine people. Um, and it didn't matter who could hit a tennis ball better. Um, I mean, I'm gonna if I was gonna be playing tennis for. 15 years these are the people I'm going to be seeing every single day every single week every single tournament and um those relationships that I started back then with Casey are the ones that I still go to the most now and and we chat about Case all the time we I can't seem to get her out of my life Uh, she's just always there it's (laughs) how
1: does she feel about you referring to her as her (laughs) mum yeah uh,
2: I don't know I think she
1: says big sister at times (laughs) but um but so she helped you filter out the, the good from the bad in a sense Because she'd been doubt. there and seen it herself already
2: Without a doubt And uh, Case is just the most incredible person Who is so positive And just brings in good energy And the, the best people Were attracted to her They just were found a way to be involved in her life And, and in, her, in her career And I was very lucky to be able to see that uh, Kind of firsthand when I was 15, 16, 17 and, um, and now have those relationships With the girls that are still playing it's amazing to think you're
1: a 15-year-old out there in that environment. But at what point did, like, going back to the West Brisbane days, what point did you think, I'm going to go after a career here? Like, do you remember a moment where you suddenly thought, I'm going to try and be a professional tennis player,
2: or was it...? Um, I remember a conversation with Dad. We were at... well uh, well, down in Gosford, um, playing in a, in a national tournament as well. Um, I mean, staying in little cabins and, and kind of... Um just just doing what we were doing. I don't know. We were just kind of going to another tournament. And for me, I never really understood that there was a professional path. Um, and Dad had played golf at a very high level and um, in the end had decided not to go professional. Um, so I remember it was – I had to have been 12 or 13 years old. And he said to me, he goes, do you really want to do this? I said, what do you mean? Like, I'm doing it. Now. Like, I'm just playing, playing tennis, loving it. <laughs> and um, he goes, do you – if you really want to try and make this – a profession, You really want to try and give this a crack. Uh, it needs to start now. And that's kind of all he said. And it, it kind of sat with me and I didn't really know what he was talking about. I was like, "Right, mate. That's just dad. straight over the let's head. Let's not get too serious. Yeah, let's just go and get some popcorn, mate. <laughs> do you reckon the Tigers are going to win? <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Um, but it was just, yeah, that, that conversation um, for all of 20 seconds that it was um, is always a moment that really stood out. And I didn't really do anything about it. Um, right then and there. But then it was the next year, um, when I was 13, that I was kind of thrown into the deep end and and travelled overseas for the first time and and that's kind of when it began. Thanks for listening to This Is Grit. Victoria
1: Police is now recruiting. Apply now. Up next, Ash reveals why she stepped away from tennis at such a young age and how she embarked on her short but life-changing cricket career.
0: On SEN, This Is Grit. With Daisy Pearce
1: Welcome back to This Is Grit You're more suited than you might think To join Victoria Police Apply now My guest this week and next Is the number one female tennis player in the world Ash Barty Who has inspired a nation By becoming just the second Australian woman The first since Yvonne Goolagong-Cawley To claim the number one ranking in the world But there was a time in her career When that was never going to happen So, I mean, we'll fast forward through a little bit of it But after a a few years of doing that as a junior and then dabbling in the senior circuit I guess successfully um what was it that made you think you needed to step away it's so early relatively speaking
2: yeah I think to me it didn't feel like it was early uh I mean I'd been playing non-stop for uh 12 years Mm. um so it felt like I'd already had a career um and i had the most amazing experiences in that kind of first career i suppose we mm-hmm. we call it but um it was again just... for
1: context i better jump in because it, it's well documented that you had the 18 month hiatus but just in case those <laughs> any of our this is grit listeners don't know ash you were 21 when you uh
2: no i was yeah 17 and then came back when i was 19 oh
1: look at me go <laughs> um
2: so he's, 17
1: had about an 18-month hiatus from playing tennis. Yeah. Did you think you were coming
2: back? Um, I honestly didn't know. Um, you weren't thinking that far ahead? No, I mean, there, there's an option in the WTA. You can take, um, like, you can have a protected ranking if you're injured, if you have a big injury or something like that. Um, and you can, from the time that you become injured or the time that you stop, you keep your ranking um, for 10 tournaments or whatever it is um, And I actually Like I declined that I, I didn't want to have my ranking of 120 When I came back If I came back I remember having the conversation saying no, If I if I start again I want it to be Completely clean slate um, Probably not understanding that that was going to be Really bloody hard um, To start again Because you, you start from nothing Literally you're not even on the, on the books um, You're not even a tennis player And I was yeah, I don't know. I, I, I didn't definitely say no. I wasn't coming back, and I didn't definitely say yes. I am. It was just a, a natural progression. I was still, coaching, um, almost every day. So I mean, I almost had a tennis racket in my hand every day, and and we're still out in the court, but didn't back have at a, West <laughs> Brisbane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and at different schools and with different kids, and I just loved it. Like yeah. that was, uh, just an amazing passion. Um, still is an amazing passion of mine. Is is trying to get more kids involved, and I think one of the one of the things uh, that kind of inspires me the most with kids is when you're trying to teach them something and they get it for the first time that look in their eye that smile is one of the most beautiful things in this world (laughs) yeah it's just incredible (laughs) like a coffee hit (laughs) yeah it's just incredible and I that's what I just thought you know what that's what I was missing when Mm. I was the last kind of six months um playing it, it was just flat it was dead it was lifeless uh, and I think then I don't know I just I think probably honestly I got bored and thought you know what um I'm a tennis player I can I can do this and in um, and amongst there though was the cricket
1: why yes. why cricket what how did the you know just the casual <laughs> national league cricket career come about
2: <laughs> um actually through a physio uh, a physio that had worked in tennis um was working in cricket at the time and I caught up with her and caught up with the um Aussie cricket girls while they were in town one time and just had dinner and scary how small the world is um Grace Harris one of the Australian cricketers at the time I played tennis with her when at West Brisbane Tennis Centre and I was like this is just bizarre um, so just from there I kind of went and crashed one of the Queensland fire training sessions and um, met Andy Richards the the head coach there at the time and um, he said just join in, come for a run around and I was like I can I can do this, I was so far out of my league it wasn't even funny um, but they chucked me in the nets and um, on a synthetic, synthetic pitch to start off with I'd never even seen a real wicket, never gone out or anything on a real wicket and um, yeah and then just after that session he goes mate come back if you want next week and back I came and uh, I know the girls were, were giving me a fair bit of stick um, that first session I rocked up I mean I didn't have a cricket bag I certainly wasn't going to be taking a tennis bag so I just had a kind of over the shoulder country road duffel bag oh boy did I cop it for that <laughs> I was like I don't know what to bring and, um, but just, just the way that the girls um, instantly Uh, accepted me and welcomed me um was probably I think the thing that drew drew me to it the most the joke was probably on them though
1: (laughs) about the country road duffel bag when that girl with the country road duffel bag
2: barely missed a ball (laughs) yeah it was yeah it was a pretty good session I mean I picked up a really nice bat and I was like oh this is this is good I I don't think it has anything to do with the bat the same way you're not allowed to
1: blame it when you
2: do it Terrible shot. I don't think you
1: can say that that was the reason why you went in and couldn't be beaten by a. Uh, it
2: was a bunch of actual cricketers. It was good fun, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, I mucked around and played backyard cricket with dad and, and things like that. But to actually be out in thats a great foundation, isn't it? Like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> it was, and that was it was awesome. But and even um, one of the most simple things to them, I had no idea. My um, first throw, I've grabbed the cricket ball and I've thrown it seam up. And it swung a mile. And they said, what are you doing? I'm like, threw the ball. Yeah. And they said, "Throw you got to throw a cross seam so it doesn't swing. I'm like, huh. right, light bulb moment. That, that is the first coaching tip that you ever received in cricket. Yeah, <laughs> yep, don't throw the cricket ball seam up. And I was like, well, maybe but could have helped me with a few more run outs. Uh, custard arm. But um, no, I think it's, it's just an amazing part of my life. I'm still really good friends with a lot of those girls. And um, try and catch up with them. More than I do catch up with tennis players because I think for me that's that's the uh, you know genuine friends in my life and what um, was that is it just a different environment team environment the banter what what what's the pull like what's the connection I definitely love the banter I think it's something that I'd never experienced um, and I'd never experienced a team environment kind of mucked around playing all different sports when I was younger but nothing in a in a controlled environment or in a coached environment um, it was more just kicking the footy around the backyard mm-hmm. going and borrowing one of dad's golf clubs and off I went but um yeah it was kind of I don't know I I felt a little bit lost by myself playing tennis so when I realized that I had kind of 12, 12 girls around me 15 girls in the squad around me um I was like no this is this is actually just really nice um and it kind of just didn't really matter what happened win or lose or draw it was it was just nice to to kind of spend time with them what did you learn about yourself in that period what was the biggest thing Oh man, yeah, a lot, a lot. I think in a way I kind of found myself again, if if that makes sense. I know it's a sometimes a little bit um, of a term that's used loosely, I think, uh, at times. But I, I don't know. I just felt like um, I had to experience what it was like to um, to be a teenager. Um, you know, I went. Went out to the pubs with my mates. Went to a few clubs and instantly said, "Well, that's not for me. Um, I'm more <laughs> of a more of a pub girl and, and a kind of backyard um, barbecue kind of girl." But um, I had to experience all those things that I that I didn't. Um, but overall, was was drawn back to sport and was drawn back to tennis in particular. And
1: you realise you weren't missing much on the club and pub scene and yeah i thought you'd head back
2: to tennis (laughs) well i think it's always the grass is always greener Uh, and at that time i i didn't appreciate what i had i just saw what i didn't have um and and now it's definitely being able to to appreciate and be extremely grateful for what i do have and um you know and that's kind of all that is. since coming back i don't know if it was a conscious
1: shift or it's just happened in as you've matured and evolved as a person but you never say i in anything that you do is that conscious because it's always um, we and you play an individual sport but you're you're always talking about we've done well this season and we've made it to the second week of every slam like
2: is it yeah tell us talk us about that no it's not it's, it just kind of i mean i don't even know if i did it in my first career I, I have no idea but i think i i understand how lucky i am to have so many good people around me and and i mean my coach i spend 30 weeks with him every single year. Um, him and I just doing our thing and, and I'm extremely appreciative that he's able to um, sacrifice his time and invest so much time into my career and, um, you know, everything, even though I'm the only one on the court, um, all of us work so hard to try and um, achieve all these things and we have we have the same goals, um, we have the same passions and, um, yeah, I think even though um, I'm the only one playing i I have you know five or six really close people around me that have helped me work towards the same goal and and I have all of my family and all of the people that have made um, so many sacrifices um and you know have encouraged me and just put so much passion and drive into my career yeah when you say we who is it who who are those people well I think um first and foremost it's its ties my coach mm-hmm. um and then My strength and conditioning coach, I've got a couple of physios that I work with, Um, Nikki, my manager as well, and then um, probably my my spine of my support network is mum and dad, Sarah and Ali, Gary, um, kind of, you know, all of those those people that um, regardless of whether I win or lose, I know that there's always a message from them. Um, Half the time it's not even about tennis, it's about something funny that the kids have done or the dogs have done or... Um, something naughty that they've done, where, where it just brings me a laugh. And I think, um, you know, being able to to share it with those people, that's that's why I play, um, is, to, is to be able to create these new memories and these new experiences um, and try and be as successful as we can. Thanks for
1: listening to This Is Grit. Victoria Police is now recruiting. Apply now. Next week, we continue our in-depth chat at home with Ash Barty and find out how she found her swagger, how she views herself in comparison to the biggest names in sport, how many hours a day is dedicated to tennis and training, and the moment she became just the second Australian woman to claim the number one world ranking.
2: G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board
0: Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au T and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.